This episode of Trailer Island contains spoilers. Enjoy. Welcome to the Trailer Island podcast. I am your host, Alex, and I'm joined by... I'm so thirsty, Steve. And Williams. Matthew Williams. Couldn't resist. Oh, I Couldn't resist. Oh. Hey. See what Foreshadowing. You, see what oh, that's the best, best intro we've ever had. Uh, <laughs> I saw what you did there. All right, we can go home now. Great. <laughs> well, we've been the Trailer Island podcast. We'll see you next week. All right. <laughs> nah, you've got us for the next half an hour, more or less. Lucky you. Uh, on the trailer, on uh, the trailer island podcast. That was, that was really good. Would you like me to do the intro? Yes, please. All right. So, we, welcome to the trailer island podcast. We've already introduced ourselves, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talk- we're, we are going back in time again this week, aren't we? Um, not as far as nineteen fifty four, but back to twenty twelve. Yeah. I'm very excited about this episode, I have to admit, because I'm a bit of a super fan of this franchise, so um, this should be very fun for me, and maybe quite laborious for you two, so no, we'll see how not. we go. Um, I, th- I, think, I, think we'll be, I think we'll be okay. Have you been able to develop the, the, the time technology any, anymore, or are we still... Um, the investment that I made into this particular form of transport is significant, Ooh. and so for the foreseeable future, and in a way past i guess because it is a time travel time is fluid uh but steve of course what mode of transport is it i believe it's a boat a tugboat yeah and 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 so it it, what does it do it goes backward in time and what is that what do we call it um if you name it it, you will summon it it, uh god damn it time tug Drink fog martinis anymore because he's sick. We need to fire that captain. He's doing all right. He's still with us. That's impressive. He's, he's recovering alcoholic. I'm glad we're giving, giving him a job. Re- recovering. <laughs> Matthew, right. I think you're in love with this film the most. I, I, well, I'm in love with this this franchise and, and just everything about it. So um, I would love to introduce and say the name now of this film to you all. This week's um, film is Rear Window. <laughs> We we have gone back to 2012 um, to one of the biggest blockbusters of that year and indeed the last perhaps 20 years, excluding maybe Avengers. Um, we're doing Skyfall. It's gone. You both know what's at stake here. There isn't much road left. Take the bloody shot. What do you say about a man like that? Three months ago, you lost the drive containing the identity of every agent embedded in terrorist organizations across the globe. 007 reporting for duty. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. I only have one question. Why not stay dead? There's no shame in saying you've lost a step. They weren't targeting her. They wanted her to see it. Welcome to the new MI6. I'm your quartermaster. You must be joking. Also PPKS 9mm short. It's been coded to your palm print, so only you can fire it. Less of a random killing machine, more of a personal statement. Q. 007. I want to meet your employer. How much do you know about fear? All there is. Not like this. Just look at you. Chasing spies. England. And my sex. She sent you after me, not when you're not ready, not when you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. The two survivors, this is what she made us. 
Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. Oh, it still gives me tingles. Um, I, as we were listening to that, Steve did lean across and, and say that I made a bold claim about the uh, biggest blockbuster thing. But I'm going to stand by that because I think this film is absolutely incredible. I don't care what your science or box, o- <laughs> box office numbers have to say about it. I don't it. care about the numbers, damn it. <laughs> this, this film is absolutely um, fantastic. So this is the third Daniel Craig James Bond film following Quantum of Solace and Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the, the film to celebrate the uh, 50th year of James Bond in film. And it was mm. quite a celebration. Starring um, Albert Finney, of course. Yes, he, he is in he Yes, is the he most is important it. character. Yeah, he's in yes, he's in there. Fun fact for you, they tried to get Sean Connery for that part, but I'm oh. fairly sure Sean Connery told them where they could stick it, I'm pretty sure. Oh, so. That's harsh. <laughs> that's harsh. Casino Royale is by far the best Daniel Craig Bond film and potentially the best Bond film ever made. Potentially, arguably. However, this film, I feel, catapulted Daniel Craig's Bond to even greater heights than I think he'd already achieved. I, I recall it being quite a uh, the film to be discussed at the time. It was. It was like the groundbreaking film techniques. Yeah, and a lot such. of buzz. And I'd completely forgotten that it's basically the team that made 1917. Yeah, well, well yeah. before, well, the, yes, the time tug. Ah, um, they obviously they made this first. <laughs> Time must go in a straight line. Just want everyone uh, to be aware we've got Matt strapped in like Wolverine <laughs> in Days of Future Past right now. He's having a bit of trouble. Yeah, no, I, I get So 1917 <laughs> came out in 2020. Correct. And this film came out 2012. So if for those of you playing at home, this film came out first. But yes, it is the same team. It's Thomas Newman did the music. Roger Deakins. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize for my behavior tonight. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'll start again. Thomas Newman did the music for this along with um, Roger Deakins. Sam Mendes has directed. Um, same production designer. Um, I forget his name. Dennis somebody. I forget his name. So it wasn't Des- Dennis Leary, yeah, that's for sure. Because he's an actor. No, no. That's the only Dennis I know. No, no, not him. Thank you for your input, Steve. That, that was great. Thank you for confirming. <laughs> you, you're yeah. looking to me for an answer. Um, but I think uh, this, is, this is another brainchild, I think, of Sam Mendes, who this is the first Bond film he directed, yeah. but he's a, he's a self-confessed super Bond fan. So I think him doing this film was a bit of a treat. I mean, he did too. He did Spectre after this as well. And you can feel the love in this film, even like from everyone. Everyone clearly loved being did, in this. Did they, did they come to Sam Mendes and say, you are doing Skyfall? Or did they go to Sam Mendes and say, we want you to make a Bond film? From what I've heard, and again, I've only read this on the internet, but from what I've actually heard is Daniel Craig asked Sam Mendes personally when he was drunk. Right. And Sam Mendes said yes. <laughs> uh, isn't it amazing how contracts work in Hollywood? Yeah. <laughs> If, if I signed contracts, like if I made the deals while I was intoxicated, oh, mm, life yeah. would be exactly where it is right now. That's how so. this podcast formed. <laughs> In terms of the overall franchise, having been running for 50 years, um, Casino Royale, Daniel Craig's first one, was a bit of, bit of a reboot, really. They sort of mm-hmm. go, okay, we're starting again. Um, we, and, we, and that gave them this, uh, this um, opportunity to suddenly reintroduce all these beloved characters as the films went on. Um, because the Daniel Craig Tanner, unlike the others, have been quite serialized. They they do kind of lead into one another to a certain extent. So in this film, the big deal really is we suddenly had reimagined versions of the of the Q character, yeah. the, the money parrot penny character, and also I would suggest the melodramatic Bond villain comes back in this for the first I time. Disagree. I do um, disagree. Mad, Mads Mikkelsen is great in Casino Royale, but he plays a realistic baddie. Whereas, I would have said he uh, Raoul Silver is also a realistic baddie. 
Oh, he's great. I'm not saying he's like. I definitely not, don't think he's he not was goldfinish. He's, he's not Goldfinger or anything like that. But he's definitely the way he dresses. They're trying to channel the more kind of flamboyant I kind of Bond villain. Didn't feel that way. Oh, you're well, wrong. But that's okay. <laughs> well, pre- previously we had you know the Bond franchise was, was a very campy. Yeah. Over well, the not, top franchise. Not but initially. Uh, not initially. Sean Connery's first few films are uh, for the time quite restrained. It's really Roger Moore that really hammed it up. Who had robot fingers in the first film? Oh yeah, <laughs> well, that's a fair point. <laughs> Bloody Doctor No. <laughs> well, and then him and his tarantula. <laughs> the the Pierce Brosnan Bond, with, I guess, was a bit more of a serious take. Potentially, yeah. Goldeneye was a very like sort of serious film. Yeah, and it's such a wonderful film mm-hmm. as well. But the Daniel Craig Bond is very. They know who he is. He's a very. It's a very. Yeah. Oh, what is it? Purposeful and dark yeah. series. Yeah, and of I, films. I think, and I think to be fair, the reason I I absolutely froth over his in, 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 um, interpretation of the character is being such a massive lover of the books. And I'm, I'm going to sound like that person, but being such a massive lover of the books, Daniel Craig and the team, the writing team, have gone. Yeah, let's do that. You know, in the books, Bond is depressed mm-hmm. and an alcoholic, and and Daniel Craig suddenly goes, "Yeah, no, let's actually tap into that for once." Instead of going, "Oh, isn't he so suave having martinis?" It's kind of like, "No, he he's got a problem and he's dealing with some stuff." Yeah, um, and I, and I think the only other actor who got close to that was Timothy Dalton in his two very mm-hmm. underrated mm-hmm. entries into the series. But no, I I love how across the four films Daniel Craig has done from Casino Royale, you've started him out as this very vulnerable character, and you've you've seen him grow into that image of bond that we know especially in this film skyfall particularly and inspector after this is it they they allow it to happen quite naturally mm-hmm. and i think that they they played it patiently and they it pulled it, it worked they pulled it off it worked at, at this point we've seen casino royale and then quantum of solace mm-hmm. yes this is the third of four currently with skyfall and the next one being spectre mm. now does this follow the books uh, Casino Royale follows more or less the the book. Yeah. Obviously, it's in a but I, sorry, time. I mean in the terms of how they were released. Oh. The, the books themselves no. do, the, do the films follow um, that Qu- in any way? No. So Quantum of Solace is a title of a short story Ian Fleming wrote, but Skyfall, um, Spectre, they and Quantum of Solace have an original story. Yeah, right. So, so Casino it, Royale was the springboard, which is very, very heavily based on the book, and is quite, it, despite being modernized, is actually quite faithful to the book. And then, and then they've gone through and they've they've used that as a springboard and mm-hmm. done their own thing. Mm-hmm. And all these those books were written by Ian Fleming, who is possibly more famous for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's where oh, I know him from. Yeah, that's that's where I, that's I, where I know him from. Oh, yeah. you're doing this to spite me. <laughs> oh my. Oh. No, um, look, Chitty Chitty you, Bang Bang is great. I, I saw that musical as well, by the way. No, so did fantastic. I. Fantastic. It, it was much better great. than Bond the musical. I, look, just because I haven't finished writing it yet doesn't mean it's not going to be good. <laughs> no, um, yeah, Ian Fleming, famous for James Bond and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, is is quite. I think that's quite a legacy, really. Uh, I think I know why Skyfall has the the reverence that it does, um, and it has something to do with 2012 because 2012 was the year of England. That's was, true. They hosted the Olympics, didn't yep, they? Yeah. It was, uh, I think, like a Queen anniversary. It was... Um, it was. It was a Jubilee. Wait, the physical Queen or the yeah, band? The, the actual Queen. Both. Will and Kate got married and then they had the Olympics. And so everyone was sort of at this like this fever pitch of 
British mania. Yeah. And then also in the plot of this film, traditionally Bond goes across the planet. He spends most of his time. Because in of the plot in this film, he spends a lot of time in London. And in Scotland as well. I mean, and in Scotland. Also, no, no, Hong Kong, Macau. Macau, but Macau, Macau used to Mac- be a British colony, didn't it? <laughs> I thought that was a really loaded question the way you said that to me I just then, thought you yes. had the accent you probably wouldn't know I, well you I, are responsible for I, a lot of the uh, yeah, over, I think as, the world, as John Cleese once said we must never forget those that fought so gallantly to keep China British <laughs> <laughs> which Skyfall does and pretty well as well talking about England I do want to talk about set pieces for this because I think Skyfall has probably some of my favourite set pieces Absolutely. of all the Bond films. The, the way I would describe it is when you're a kid and you're playing with, you know, your Hot, hot Wheels cars or whatever, and you would do, oh, then, and then there's going to be a digger on a train. And that, and yeah. is that kind of childhood meant? But they pull it off, you know, and you believe it. They go, yeah, the, the, he's holding back the train with a digger. I can see the logic in that. It's- it is such a fantastic opening scene mm. to that film, which... I just want to talk to the point of in filmmaking, you know, people think, oh, it's such a wonderful film because it's doing all these things. Well, actually, no, it's just telling story really well. Yeah, it is, yeah. And when we, the very start of the film, you enter the film in the middle of something happening. Yeah. Yeah. You're entering with the character, something has already happened. And in this case where there is, there's been a failed transaction over what will cause the plot of the film to develop yeah. is that this hard drive has been stolen, which we hear about in the trailer, that it contains all the... Uh, NATO agents. NATO agents who yeah. are embedded in secret identities around the world mm. and they are at risk of being uh, divulged. And can I just say that the trailer in this, I do not like it. I'm, I know where you're going with this because yeah. being someone who was, you know, um, ask anyone who was sort of hanging around with me at the time, scrounging for scraps of information on the internet about the production of this movie. And then obviously the trailer comes out and there's something that they put in the trailer, which is Bond being shot off the train, which really annoyed me. It is in the pre-title sequence, but I thought, why would you ruin a surprise like that in the trailer? So technically not a spoiler. If you're, if you're going to do something as monumental as in your pre-title sequence, at least briefly pretend that you've killed Bond. Why put it in the trailer? Just leave it out. It would have been such a shock. Okay, okay. I'm so angry. I'm just... Well, well, there eight, is that, but I also years later. I dislike the general structure of the trailer. Uh-huh. I feel like it it gives you one. It gives you too much. Yeah, it's a the bit music's long. a bit over the top. Yes, it does have that motif of Bond's music throughout it. But I, even then, I feel like it's really just in your face and like yeah. check out. Like it it doesn't have the pacing that now, the film does. I think it's a really the trailer in this case is probably the first time I feel is a really poor representation. Of the film itself. I would agree with that. And I think to, to sort of think about um, what was happening with the Bond franchise at the time, I, I personally like Quantum of Solace, but a lot of people thought it was awful. And I think a lot of the marketing about this film was, okay, you didn't like Quantum of Solace because we we've been accused of trying to do the Jason Bourne mm-hmm. kind of thing. So let's give him a trailer that's, yeah, he's Bond. He's doing everything that all the Bonds that you've ever yeah. liked before is doing. I think that's why they made that decision. Because right. you look at the, the marketing for Spectre and it's much more reserved. Well, I mean, like, and as such, with the Skyfall trailer, when I'm watching that, I'm not, I don't feel like anything's being given away in that regard. I'm I'm watching a trailer for James Bond. Oh, right. I, I, okay. I really feel like it's a trailer for a James Bond film, but it's not a trailer for James Bond. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. It's not classy it's enough, a, it's, a, it? it's a trailer for a Hollywood action film. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I wanted to talk about the teaser trailer. So we listened to one of the theatrical mm, trailers. Correct. I, I, what I loved about that first teaser trailer is... So there's a scene in this film um, when... So Bond's been shot off the train and they 
he surprise he's not dead but they have to kind of re-educate him and yeah. train him up and there's a bit where he's talking to a psychologist they do a bit of word association and the teaser trailer is <laughs> i just dropped my phone <laughs> what is the teaser trailer and the teaser trailer is um, basically that conversation and then just showing you one or two or three yeah. shots from the film. And it's I, I thought that that was, it's not overdramatic. It gives you a little taste, but I, I thought it was a much better indication of we're going to really um, break Bond down and he's going to have to fight his way back up kind of thing in this movie. I definitely do adore that, that teaser trailer. I really, really liked it. That is to say my probably only criticism with the actual theatre trailer was that it was too linear. I felt like it represented the events way too in sequence according <laughs> That's to the film. a really good yeah. point. I haven't thought of that before. Yeah. It is in the order that they happen in the yeah. film for the most part, yeah. It's, Which, a, it's, a, it's a two and a half minute version of the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's exactly right. And it's sort of just like, you know, Bond's meant to be about mystery and intrigue and this, you're like, okay, whatever. Mm, I, did yeah. enjoy, I do appreciate the fact that they they do tease Raul Sylvia throughout both of the teaser, teaser and the trailer because um, Javier Bardem's performance throughout the whole film is just superb. Like it's 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 he's so, a fantastic villain. It, it, he mm. is. He is. He's he's one of the. It's got that magic thing you have to have with a villain, which is you love to hate them. Mm-hmm. And he's got that. You you he almost steals the show really because you go, oh, he's on the screen. What's he gonna? What quippy line is he gonna have? He's almost more. Well, it's part of his character because he used to be an MI6 agent, which I feel it isn't a spoiler. Um, but he's almost like he's almost as if he's Roger Moore's Bond, but in villain form. In, and I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory oh, way. It's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like he used to be Bond and then what happens in the film happens to him and he becomes this twisted villain. And that's yeah. like, there's like an alternate reality version of Bond. I hadn't considered that and I, that I, I, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, I, I always love that about the character. I think that's why we don't see him until like halfway through as well. And what a fantastic reveal as oh, well. Yeah. So his, I, his entrance so apparently, is um, just fantastic. Apparently Sam Mendes spent a whole day like just saying those lines to himself, walking up and down this big um, stage, soundstage, so he could get the measurement right. Oh, and then, right so they yeah. could then build that set. So Silver comes in and has this speech and it, it's timed perfectly for when he arrives at, at Bond in this chair. It's, it's really cool. And uh, a brilliant chemistry with Daniel Craig as well. You don't often get a villain that has so much sort of back and forth and bounce with a with a with a villain. That's the thing that they're so obviously having fun, and I, I, I think they all are because I think Ben Whishaw, who's playing Q mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. wonderful actor. He and Daniel Craig together, and, yeah. and especially again in the follow up Spectre, they they have some wonderful scenes together. They're fantastic. Their mm-hmm. their banter is great. John Logan's um, script he took over, I think, from Neil. And someone else who'd been, he, they wrote all the Pierce Brosnan films and they wrote, wrote this like first couple of drafts and then yeah. John Logan stepped in and did his thing with it. I think his presence is throughout the whole script because it's a very John Logan script. Um, but I think he is able to do those scenes in a very subtle way and you never feel like you're being hit over the head with it. It, it never feels like they're saying, look how clever we are by yeah, using this exactly. thing. I it's, thought that theme was heightened just about, uh, just around the environment that the film was again released in. I, appreciating all this English history and then you've got a Bond film that seriously examines old Bond versus new Bond. Yeah. I, I really, uh, that's probably one of the highlights of, of thematic motifs within the script. There are definitely more themes in this Bond film than any other Bond yeah. film. Like this, it's well put together. They mm-hmm. had things to say and they said them quite eloquently, really. And 
And because I'm not smart enough to think of it myself, I had to look up online about some of the themes that are in the film. But because I was particularly interested in that in the painting scene when he meets Q yeah. for the first time, and even the paintings in the background, there's one where people are observing this this new world scientist performing an experiment on a mouse and depriving it of oxygen, which is apparently an analog for Q in this new world where he is this brand new scientist, but he's now been transformed to the world of Bond and it's yeah. two worlds colliding. Um, but then there's also even when we see an assass- assassination later in the film where this man sits in front of this painting, that painting mm-hmm. that appears in real life was stolen and still hasn't been found ah. a few years before this film was made. I like that. That's a nice So touch. there's references to the real world as well as it currently stands. Yeah. Uh, talking of relationships in this film, and there are many uh, relationships you know, we've passed and in relationships with the people in his professional life, but I think the most important one, and we haven't mentioned it thus far, is with Judy Dench's M. Um, and because this film really... <laughs> yeah tips a hat to the the mother-son relationship yeah that that and obviously that doesn't exist in the books because in the books em is is obviously a man so they have a different relationship but in the films it's it's she is the kind of mother character and they also calls a mother like yeah and that's times. the thing but it's and we were talking about things not being on the nose like there's a bit towards the end where he goes oh you know our oh, mother's calling but you go yeah i, I that doesn't make me cringe yeah, that's yeah. a good that's a good line i because he says it with such menace but yeah uh, bond and m's relationship in this is the driving force really for me at least when i watch this film that's sort of the center of it Judy Dench has more screen time in this Bond film mm-hmm. than all of her combined <laughs> screen time in her previous Bond films. Really? Yeah. And do we do we make anything of her being in the Pierce Brosnan franchise as M2? Okay. All right. I knew this was coming. <laughs> so, Casino Royale is a hard reboot. They just decided to keep Judy Dench in because she's so good in the role, yeah. but it doesn't mean that she is the same version of M that is in the Pierce Brosnan films. She's a different... Yes, obviously she's playing... It's complicated, but no, they're not the same. It's a hard reboot. She has no memory of Pierce Brosnan. He's gone. He's out. He he did his power air gliding on a wave and we all forgot about him. <laughs> so she forgot about... <laughs> Her previous experience with that, or it just doesn't it, exist? No, it doesn't exist. It does. It never happened. What a strange thing for. <laughs> stressing me out. I just want to for uh, Ian Fleming to have to write into his scripts that <laughs> Ian, Ian Fleming didn't write the script. Stop doing this to me. <laughs> I. I mean, I, this is a this is a film where I love to to sit down and analyze what's going on in dialogue, and then what happens either before or after in terms of just character action. Uh, M reciting Tennyson during the the parliamentary inquiry. But uh, before that, she, she has to do a, a massive rationalisation as to why the double lobe program exists in the first place. And then not five minutes after that happens, she has to go and demonstrate those words she's just said. The shadows exist. We hide in them yeah. for a reason. Well, Bond proves her right, ultimately, Exactly, yeah. yeah. They both escape into the into the shadows, and that's the only way they can bring forth this, this villain to defeat. Before that final scene, how they get there, in possibly one of the coolest Bond moments is when they reveal the old Aston Martin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, fun fun and, fact for you, that alleyway is the same alleyway he drives it down in Goldfinger. Okay. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So they watched... So, oh, well... Judy Dench must have remembered from, <laughs> or was it M that remembered that that happened? Um, sorry, Matthew. Please don't hate me. This might be my last podcast. 
Uh, so when they when they lift up the thing and you see the old Aston Martin, that beautiful silver thing. I suppose thing. that's completely inconspicuous. Uh, yeah. uh, well, no technology in it, so it can't be tracked. Yeah. But and they have this or the awesome Bond riff. Yeah. yeah. Like it's been very orchestral up to this point. And they, music is a very big thing in the Bond franchise. But this beautiful big guitar sound yeah, they, as it's driving off. They do use the Bond theme very scarcely in this movie. And I think it's because they are because Bond is broken down for one of a better phrase at the beginning of this yeah. film. They don't use it until he's back up to where he, he used Which to is, be. Which, I guess, is a, a rebirth of his... It is. Know, it's, it's like he's now at full power. It is. driving um, track behind Talking it. of rebirth, basically, there are, this film is bookended by Bond falling into water. And the idea is that he it literally is a rebirth for him. He's at the beginning when he's shot off the train, and then at the end when he falls into the, the okay, frozen lake. Yeah. And yeah. it's this idea that this film is literally him... Yeah, being reborn and becoming a more relevant oh, oh, person. I just don't know... Like, uh, at, at the beginning, he stands in the shadows. <laughs> at the end of the film, he's in full sunlight. Yes, up on the up on the roof of the Union See, this Jack. Is what I'm talking about. Like just yeah, those little bits you pick up on. Ah, I love isn't this movie. that clever? Well, uh, the classic uh, the Bond credit sequence at the start is. I'm so glad that that has been kept as a thing. They could have gone, no, we're going to break away from it. This is a new modern Bond. It doesn't need this. But no, they've held on to that classic. Those sequences are amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, this, and this film is no exception. It's probably one of the best they've done recently. And a beautiful song by Adele with the yes. Skyfall song, which is one of my favorite. Mm. I would argue I probably enjoy the Chris Cornell one. Oh, You Know My Name. That's a great song. That's I love a that song. fantastic it song. It is a great Bond song. It's good for Daniel Craig's Bond. I'd yeah. like to refresh everyone. As to Money Penny's uh, appearance, because that was one of the best guarded secrets of this film. I definitely didn't see it coming. Yeah. Unless, no, you, unless you went and saw the film, you didn't actually know that Eve Money Penny was going to make a return. You knew you knew that Naomi Harris was going to be portraying a an agent, an agent named Eve. But it isn't till the, the last five minutes where you go. Money yeah. Penny's back. It's a nice little treat, and it's right at it the is. end of the film as well. And it's as she, you know, takes up her position behind the desk. But what I love is is they have modernized that character, and she can look after herself. And it's, mm-hmm. you know that as she sits behind that desk, it's like this is like this is a temporary thing. If you need me to, I can come out into the field review. And I kind of like that they, they've improved the Bond Money Penny relationship to more of a a team kind of base thing, more than just Sean Connery coming in to flirt with her for three minutes. You know they've. <laughs> They've modernised it in a really nice way. Can I? Can we give a quick shout out to Rory Kinnear? Is it? Yes. Yes. Plays Tanner. Uh, he was originally in Quantum of Solace as Tanner as well. So this is his second film. He's been in three now. He's and now in three. Yes. I think he's just a solid character slash actor. I'm glad he, that he's a guy. He, he's just a re- he's part of the team. Yeah. He's yeah. Sort of. He's sort of M's kind of. Uh, if you want to say assistant, I, I'm kind of glad Tanner wasn't in a lot of the films. But in the books, he's described as being Bond's only friend. He's uh, and he's a different uh, actor in the Pierce Brosnan films as well. I don't think he's in. He oh is. no, he is. He's in the world is not enough. He is in the world is not enough. And I think but, tomorrow never dies. But but that's my point is he's not in all of them. Yeah. He's a kind of overlooked character. But I think Rory um, Kinnear has really. It's a side character. He's never going to have mm-hmm. like a big yeah. hero moment. But he's so, like you say, solid in the part. Yeah. And you can kind of go, I could imagine Bond and Tanner going to get a beer after work maybe. you could He's, he's a very that. reliable yeah. side yeah, character, isn't absolutely. he? absolutely. That I think that they would be in trouble if he didn't exist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have mentioned Ralph Ains yet. No. So who's, who's now talking about the money penny reveal, I have to admit that the, the, the rumor that I kept hearing was that um, obviously – 
Ray Fiennes playing a lot of villains, especially Voldemort, yeah, most notably. Bad, yeah. Everyone was sort of going, is he going to be revealed to be Blofeld? Because I think when this film came out, um, Eon Productions, the company that makes these films, had finally won the rights back to use Spectre, mm-hmm. Blofeld, that whole lot. Because for a long time, they weren't allowed to use that name because of reasons. So I remember it was a good bit of misdirection. I don't know if yeah. they put that rumor out there to hide the money penny thing, is that he was going to be a villain. But he's not. He's actually a very wonderful, supportive character to Bond. And His I performance, think- the one thing that stands out is is the physicality to it. Oh, he's, he's got a presence. Like, he's he's always standing out with like his belly out and and like <laughs> yeah. the, the suspenders as well. He, he is. He's just, like that. Um, it's just wonderful. He reminds me of the banker from Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah. And I, in, in a good way. In a good mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I, I remember when I saw this for the first time. I was like, like he's clearly the villain. Yeah, you, you just he's you, he's typecast, isn't he? He is typecast yeah, to be the and, villain. And then that's that's thrown away. As this, as almost this wonderful father figure. Yeah, I know. Um, Especially Judy Dench's um, mother figure. When you see, and when it progresses into Spectre, they they run with that even more, and you go, I can't actually see him playing a villain now. Yeah, you know, now yeah. he's this such a wonderful, yeah, supportive character. The cast in this is 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 wonderful. It's that I think it's mm-hmm. one of those moments where you know the casting directors and the the filmmakers and they they have a list of everyone they'd want to play the parts and they got all of their first choices. There's a the the wonderful final sequence of this battle that oh, happens yeah. between That's Bond oh, yes. and Just Roger Deakins again. What a mm-hmm. god of cinematography. And isn't it I always found it quite endearing um, that they come across Alfred Alfred Finney? Alfred Finney yeah. and Al- Albert. Albert Albert Finney, Al- yeah, Albert Albert <laughs> They come across Albert Finney and he's the gamekeeper of mm. the Skyfall estate. And it's, it's just a fantastic sequence of... Well, Bond. The, ho- the Home Alone sequence where they're getting ready yeah. for the burglars oh, yeah. to come over. Which I absolutely love. And, you know, I don't know that I've seen Judy Dench in an action sequence yeah. before. Yeah, I think I have, yeah. You know, really wasting fools. Yeah, I was. I. I mean, it's designed to be that way. But I. I. The first time I saw it, I was stressed. I was like, "Don't, don't you dare touch a hair on her head." <laughs> and you know, <laughs> you leave Judy Dench you alone. Leave her alone. And I was genuinely stressed for um the gamekeepers. Yeah. What's yeah. his What's his character? Kincaid. 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 He's got the best one-liners in this film. Yeah, yeah he Bond does. <laughs> Bond out him have some really good lines as well. Yeah. Um, my my favorite. Uh, I almost don't want to, but it's so yeah, much fun. Oh, it is. Is that, you know, they've just disp- disposed of numerous villains. And his one line is, welcome to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and you can imagine if that was Sean Connery. Uh, yeah. Would I, that have been like, uh, oh, they're doing the thing. And that's the thing, like, it, it would have worked if it was Sean Connery because he obviously would be would have aged enough that you wouldn't go, oh, that's James Bond. But I think, you, like you say, you just go, oh, this is just an on-the-nose kind of, look, he's not James Bond, but he may as well be. We've, yeah. just, we've just written yeah. him to be the same. So I'm glad it was. Albert Finney's a fantastic one. He, he was. He's, you know, passed now. Um, but he's a fantastic actor. He did really well in the part. It's and a bit of a thankless part, really. Yeah, he it sort of appears at the end, but it's a wonderful, it's used perfectly for that. Mm. And there's all these things happening and they're sort of like waddling through <laughs> yeah. the scenes. But I think it just adds to, don't, don't you dare touch these sweet, sweet old people. How yeah. dare you even point a gun at them? I was trying to <laughs> rationalise it as well. I was like, maybe there's like a, a theory going around that, you know, Emma's actually really alive and she's now married to Kincaid and they're like living happily ever Don't after. Don't be, this isn't Moonraker. You don't have to be that oh, ridiculous. No, I would like to believe that Emma's still alive. I, I hate to say it because this film does make me sort of have a bit of a grizzle, but I'm afraid Judy Dench has perished in this film. 
Spoiler I, alert. I, I can believe, though. I can, I can... She had a little cameo in Spectre. That was nice. Yeah, yeah. That was nice underused. to... Uh, well, she was dead. How much could they use a dead character? <laughs> they do deal with the, the death of M in this film very well. It, yeah, yeah it, I it's feel like it, nice. It's handled so well. And that final sequence where it all unravels between... And it's such a beautiful final, I guess, a goodbye to a character. But again, a rebirth of another We've done terribly with spoilers um, this week, but um, she does get um, injured mm-hmm. initially. And I, when I saw that, I thought if they've already scratched her, you yeah. know, they could go further. So, <laughs> and I was already warm with fury, but you know, it's, it's happened now. Eight years later, and it still gets me. It's a really emotional. It is very um, yeah. end to that scene. Yeah, you're looking at me very condescendingly, Alex. I can't read your reaction. No, I'm I'm just sitting with a smile on my face at your enjoyment in the film. I love <laughs> this movie. I lo- it's I, fantastic. I, I can very easily sit down and and watch over two nights go Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace one night, mm-hmm. and then Skyfall Spectre the next. They work incredibly well together. It's a nice journey for Daniel Craig's Bond. Talking of talking of Bond, though, of course, um, No Time to Die, and talking of cinemas being shut, that's been delayed once already. Likely, 21 now? likely to be delayed again now. Yeah. I'm okay um, with that. I am. I'm really. There's a lot of films that are being released on via streaming at the moment, and I am really getting to the point now where I feel like I really want to see these films back in the cinema. Okay, because mm, yeah. I'm the opposite, and I might just be because I've been. I mean, as Steve is aware, because he had me in his ear all the lead up to No Time to Die's original release date. Yeah. Um, is is how keen I am to see this. Is part of me goes, oh, just just release it on um, VOD and I'll just stream it. I'll pay mm. for it and stream is it. Is that going to be Daniel Craig's last film? It is his last film. Yes. My I just th- want to say I don't think it's going to get released on VOD. No, it, it, no, I know it won't. It was, it was, it was like the, it's one of the most expensive films exactly. I think they've made. They need to make their money back. But part of me is so because the trajectory, especially from Skyfall through Spectre, leading up to this new one is so strong. It's like, I need to know how it ends. It also gives uh, Daniel Craig a good time to decompress from filming to release because he usually gets pretty grouchy. He's, a, he's known to be a bit grouchy yeah. in interviews, yeah. I think he's a nice guy, but he, he can get... He gets a bit tired. So maybe he can do one more film after this now that he's had like a, a year in isolation. He hasn't had to do press junkets just yet. That's true. Oh, I, I fear that the shutdown... Gives might give filmmakers too much time to think. No, the director changing things. No, the director has come out and said no. The film is locked off. We're not touching it because apparently, okay. but they were happy with it in April when it was meant to come out and said if we sat down now and started tweaking it, we would ruin it. Yeah. So they've said no. We're locking it off. We're not going to touch it. We're just going to leave it. It's it's done. It, in a vault somewhere. We'll release it. It is meant to be quite long when it comes out. Is meant. To I be think that's of, okay. And I, I'm more than happy with that. I'll, when the credits roll, I'll probably go. No, I want more. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's up towards like end game. Length. Well, Bond films are known for their post credit sequences. So you reckon uh, Blowfield's even though he'll probably just be a severed head by then? We go. I'm still alive. You know. <laughs> and it turns out it's Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> been him all, all along. along. <laughs> <laughs> I. We've said enough about Skyfall. I, yeah. I think we. I, I think this. We've had a. The words. Um, this is the second film I think in a week where I think all of us like it quite a lot. Um, just to just to like really make it clear, when we agreed we'd do this, I didn't have to rewatch it because I know it off by heart. So I thought, <laughs> yeah, great. I'll just turn up and talk about it. Fantastic. I think the other thing for me, just one last point before I, before I will sort of start being quiet, is this film. <laughs> it's a very small point. But one of the things I like about the first Jurassic Park film is it has that sunny vacation feel about it. Yep. And even though this film majority is set in rainy London, 
the pre-title sequence when they go to Macau. It has that feeling that all Bond films should. That is, you're going on holiday. Yeah, yeah. And I, that that's why this film, I think, has this other layer where you go, I can come home on a Friday night and just tune out for a bit. And also, but also, you, it's, it's twofold because you can also engage with it. I've watched this film and bawled my eyes out because I get so invested in what's happening. And then other times you go, I'm going to sit down and put Skyfall on and I'm going to have just a good time. It's beautiful. <laughs> what, what should we give it out of five? Honey Riders. <laughs> no, that's fair because she comes singing up the beach, doesn't she? She certainly does. Yeah, in Doctor No. Perfect. If you don't know who that is, you need to go and watch Doctor No. Honey Rider is the iconic uh, bikini babe in Doctor No. The one that okay. comes under the ocean. Okay, so we're objectifying women for our rating system. Mm. Oh, well, now that you've said that. Well, how, how about five Bonds tied up into a chair naked like in Casino Royale? <laughs> what about five fake crocodiles? Because that's also a Bond thing. It is, yeah. What about five space battles? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I thought we'd get through this without having to... I know I mentioned it earlier, but without having to talk about Moonraker. Oh, my God. Let's go with, let's go with um, golden bikinis. How about that? Is that, yeah. is that a very Bond... That's very beach. I, 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 or banana bikinis. How about that? Sure. Or I, shell bikinis. Shell bikinis. <gasps> shell bikinis. Yeah, I'm down. I look fantastic in a shell bikini. <laughs> we know. We know. <laughs> Every morning. <laughs> I emerge from the cave. Ready, <laughs> ready to go. Oh, boys, you like my shell bikini? <laughs> oh, now you're doing your Bond villain impersonation. <laughs> no, yeah, as well. <laughs> come, come, Mr. Bond. You enjoy killing as much as I do. <sighs> Five from me. You're giving it five, Steve? Yeah, still five. This film, for me, um, it's, it's a five. I won't, I won't keep you all in suspense. But this film, for me, um, it, nothing will ever eclipse Casino Royale for being the perfect Bond film. Um, but this film comes damn close. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even though I adore Spectre, this film is, is better than Spectre is. So, yeah, five for me. I love this film. I've probably seen it. I think I went something like eight times to cinema to see this. Like, wow. I, I ad- Are you serious? Yeah, I adore this movie. And, and I, I, I was a person who, um, when it was released on Blu-ray, I got a bus into the city just to buy it and then got the bus straight back and watched it immediately. Like, I, I love this movie. And so, yeah, five for me. It's sh- long story short. <laughs> okay. Part of me wants to go not five because both of you have given yeah. it five. You know what I mean? But I don't think it's fair to... The movie. Despite that's how I've rated other things in the past. <laughs> I've let external things influence my score about the film. You know, testament to it is I put it on the other night just to watch it and I thought, oh, look, I'm just going to watch the first five minutes because I really love that opening mm-hmm. chase scene with the motorcycles, which actually has an Australian doing the stunt double work. Oh, there you go. Robbie Madden doing the motorcycle stuff for James, uh, or Daniel Craig in this case, wearing a Daniel Craig face mask. Yeah, they're, they're pretty mm. freaky up close. And that fantastic train sequence and all that. And maybe some of it I find... Some of is it De Silva? Yeah, Silva. Mm-hmm. Ralph some, Silva. Ralph Silva. Some of the way that his plan unravels, I feel, in this Bond world, which is very you know uh, anchored in reality, feels kind of unrealistic. That's true, and I think that's that's sort of the them bringing a bit more of the Roger Moore elements back into play. In that his plan, if you look at it for a second, doesn't actually make sense, but you just go along with it because it's cool. You go, yeah, yeah no, I'll, I'll, I'll pay it. You know, that's fine. I think if you're going to be critical about Ralph Silver's plan in Skyfall, you have to be critical about the Joker's plan in The Dark Knight. Yeah. they are both as absurd, but you can still enjoy it. 
I think that's all, fair. All films, you need to suspend all films, your, yeah, they all require you to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're not. You shouldn't like film. You know, no, if that, you, that's if you very want, true. If you want reality, film is not for you. I guess it, there's a sense of comparing how much of the film wants you to suspend the disbelief. Yeah. yeah, how much it grains itself in reality versus how much it takes you out of it. You know, all right, fine. I'll give it five as hey! well. All right, that's fine. As long <laughs> Join as I, us, Alex. As long as I can keep time, Tug, I will give it five. Uh, you can keep Tug into your heart's content. I, I accept these conditions. Okay, wonderful. Well, <laughs> is there? would you like to add anything else, Matt, or should I cut you off now? Oh, I think, look, I, I could go on, but um, the, th- this film is just, it's beautiful, and I love how over the four films Daniel Craig has done, and I'm sure it will continue in the fifth one, he has an overriding character arc across the four films, also within the individual films. I think that's... A very rewarding role for him. He's done mm-hmm. wonders with what was once a very two-dimensional film character. Mm-hmm. He has built it up to, I guess, what we all have sort of a golden standard for, for yeah, a modern a bond. golden eye for. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, got a pun in. <laughs> uh, you can only live twice, Alex. Let the sky fall. <laughs> no, we're not... <laughs> If we get a copyright infringement for that, but I must admit it wasn't very accurate, I think we'll be okay. (laughs) We've been the Trailer Island podcast this week, I guess. (laughs) Um, You can find us on trailerisland.com.au. Absolutely. There's a Facebook page. Yeah, whatever. And Um, please send us through um, any requests you have. We love getting requests. um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, And we love hearing from you, basically. Anything you want to say. Um, Even if you say, do Spectre, that'd be great. Yes, you can send us a a request via the Facebook page or... The Twitter. The Twitter or the uh, website, contact at trailerisland.com.au. You don't actually need to go via the website, but you can go via the website Mm -hmm. to contact us. Please head to Podchaser, a website that rates podcasts. Please give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. Appreciate it. And, well, this week I've been Alex. I've been joined by... Williams, Matthew Williams. Oh, God, I'm Stephen. <laughs> and I'm tired. Uh, Get me off this island, please. <laughs> you're never leaving. You do my with me. Go to bed, Captain. Uh, we've been the Trailer Island Podcast. We love having you as an audience and we thank you for listening to us. We'll see you next week on the next episode of the Trailer Island Podcast. Bye, everyone. This is a Narrative Network podcast.